Have you been considering taking your horse or Western photography passion to the next level? Hi, it's Kara with Cowgirls with Cameras, and I want to tell you about our Cottonwood Ranch photography experience in August. This experience is a workshop, portfolio builder, business clinic, and gathering set in the majestic scenery of the Nevada mountains. This event is learning intensive and full of shooting opportunities that feature ranch work, western horses, cowboys, cowgirls, horses, and dogs. You'll walk away feeling more confident in your camera, editing, and business skills, shoot a few thousand images, and gain new friends in the process. Our events are always focused on collaboration over competition, and our three instructors, myself, Kim Beer, and Phyllis Burchette, are all deeply passionate about seeing you reach your photography goals. To learn more about this event and other photography adventures we have coming up, head over to cowgirlswithcameras.com. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. How are you today, Kim? I am doing okay, Kara. I tell you what, I'm trying really hard not to sabotage myself today, which I think is means this topic is very appropriate. I've had some really good reviews here lately and some good feedback from clients. And I'm really trying hard to like poke holes in that for some reason. So I'm I'm working on my own work today to figure out why that's going on. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. And, and I um, will raise my hand and say that I am a professional self-sabotager. I have spent a lot of time recognizing how I self-sabotage, especially in my business. This is something that I'm very good at. And I also, though, would just like to raise my hand and point out that I think as business owners, we all self-sabotage in some way. Every single one of us. There's an area that we self-sabotage. The key, I think, is understanding it and realizing we're doing it and calling it out. So I love that we're talking about, if our listeners haven't figured it out yet, self-sabotaging as business owners. I love it. It's perfect timing. Absolutely. It is perfect timing. And before we continue, I want you to reframe the I'm a professional self-sabotager to I'm a recovering self-sabotager. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I'm in recovery because yes. it's something I'm always having to work on. <laughs> yes. And I think that that's true. I think it's a human thing. It is. So let's cover the big three because okay. I have an interesting book I've been reading that I want to share with people that I think is very appropriate on this topic, but it really works well with number one. So we're going to do that first. Let's cover the big three first. So when we're talking about the subject of self-sabotage, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to seek to understand it. And I think that's a really key aspect of this, because if you just let it run unchecked in your life, it can start to take over. But if you start to question, hey, why are you here? What is this about? It can start to help us quite a bit. The second one, and I love this because I don't know how well Kara identifies with it, but get to know the voices in your head and be able to recognize whether they're yours or somebody else's. Because sometimes our self-sabotage 
isn't exactly self-sabotage. It was somebody else sabotaging us to begin with. And now we have taken that mantle and said, since you're not standing in the room with me, I'll go ahead and do it myself. And then finally, number three, and this one is really important too, is to know when to get help with this. Because this can be a debilitating situation for some people. And it's definitely one that is, although I think all of us experience it, it's not healthy or normal. We need to work on removing this happening from our lives. And sometimes that's not something we can do on our own. So we're going to give you some ways to think about how to remove this from your world. All right. So number one, understanding what causes self-sabotage. So Kara has some really good, as is Kara, she has a great list here. So I'm going to let her do that. And then I want to talk about this book that I just read. Awesome. Okay. So one of the things that I think is important to recognize is that we can self-sabotage, especially in our businesses. We can do it consciously and unconsciously. So like an example of like what unconscious self-sabotage might look like to me is you have a to-do list, things you need to get done, but you get bogged down in like busy work, right? So maybe you're spending all your time responding to social media posts when you really have some things that you need to get done, like paid client work that you got to get done. So that to me can look like kind of an unconscious self-sabotage. A conscious self-sabotage looks more like, I don't know, you've made a commitment that you really want to eat healthy and you hit the drive through and instead of getting the locale salad offering, you hit the Big Mac and the fries and you know you're doing it. You say to yourself when you're making the order, man, I told myself I wasn't going to do this today. and You do it anyway. So I see that as like the unconscious versus the conscious self-sabotage. So as business owners, what does this look like, right? So it actually, it can look like a lot of things. So I'm going to go through this list. It's kind of lengthy, but I hope that when people are listening, just like I did when I was putting this list together, I was thinking about where I fit here and like where these popped up in my brain. So the first one is perfectionism. So that might be refusing to move forward with a project or offering a service or I don't know, like getting your business going because everything isn't absolutely perfect. And we have a whole episode on sitting on your butt. This might be some of that, like just kind of putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Another example might be something like inventing obstacles, like thinking about all the things that could possibly go wrong. You know, I can't do that because like just kind of putting those obstacles out there. Another thing that self-sabotage might show up like imposter syndrome. We hear people talk about imposter syndrome all the time. I have a very, very strong love-hate relationship with that concept and that name in general. But imposter syndrome, not feeling like you're good enough, you know, that whole piece, you can use that for self-sabotage. I already kind of mentioned this one, but things like just putting off client income generating work and doing the busy work instead. I can get sucked into this one. I can feel like I need to focus on just busy work and trying to knock all these little tiny things that don't necessarily immediately generate me income. If I can get all that out of the way, then I can get to this other big chunk of busy work. Another example could be simply a fear of leaving your comfort zone we all can be subject to this one. We can get super comfortable in our business when things are moving along and be scared to grow, be scared to take on the new project, be scared to do the new work for many different reasons. 
Another example might be fear of realizing a dream or being disappointed. So you know what? If I start my business or if I take on this new type of service, what if I don't like doing it? And now I've offered it. Now I've got it out into the world and I'm stuck doing this work. So fear of that. Or if my business is super successful and I get a ton of business, then I don't know if I want that much business. You know, just fear of realizing that dream. Uh, Another example is trying to do everything. I get sucked into this one. There are things in your business you can delegate. So refusing to delegate, feeling like you need to micromanage if you do delegate can be a great example. Being stuck in your ways and not continuing to learn and to grow. I see this sometimes with people that refuse to learn the new technology, refuse to update their technology. Think about if you're I don't know, working with a veterinarian, for example, and they don't have the new information out there on the animal that you're that you're working with. I have a dog that has some pretty severe health issues, and I've considered trying a new vet because I feel like my veterinarian is refusing to look at newer research that's been done on the subject. Letting opportunities pass you by because you're afraid, that kind of comes back to the not wanting to start a new project. But sometimes these really great opportunities come up, but we postpone making a decision about them and the opportunity passes us by. Or we don't take advantage of it because we're just afraid. I don't know if I do this, it's going to take up more time than I want to give for many reasons. Participating in activities that are just a poor use of your time and distract from your business, not making a plan on how you want to spend the time each day when working on your business. I can be really guilty of this one. I just sit down and I get to work, but I have found if I sit down and get my to-do list going and time block, I'm so much more successful during the day. Not getting feedback from past clients. This can be a scary one, but it's such an important one. We can self-sabotage literally by not hearing from past clients about the good things of working with us and the bad things about working with us, Um, not getting that feedback. And then the last one that I have here is doing the easy tasks first and then never getting to the hard stuff. That kind of comes back to that busy work. Like I have all these little things I got to knock out before I get to the big stuff. And I am queen of having a big project that I want to work on spending the time working on all the little stuff and saying, as soon as I get this done, I'm going to nail that big project down that I've been dying to do for the last six months. I'm queen of that. Kim, what do you think about this big list? I know it's lengthy. (laughs) So there's so much in this list that I see. Yes. And I want to get a master's degree in helping people get out of their own way. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, so much of this list that you put up, all of this are ways that we get in our own way that we, for some reason, trip ourselves up. And I think I have participated in all of them at some point in time in my life. And I was reading this interesting book. So to bring up two interesting books, before I dive into the new interesting book, the thing about doing the easy tasks first and the hard stuff, saving it later, here's another book you should read. It's called Eat That Frog. I know I have brought this up before, but Eat That Frog, 21 Great Ways to Stop Procrastinating. Now, you also know there, we did a whole episode on procrastination. I do not have the same opinion of procrastination that other people do, because I feel like any (laughs) time these things show up in our lives, they're a symptom of something bigger. 
procrastination is a symptom. It's not a moral failing. And let me say that again. Procrastination is a symptom of something. It is not a moral failure. Our culture preaches it that it's a moral failure, but it's not. It's a symptom of something. It's a symptom of a trauma or it's a symptom uh, sometimes of your intuition telling you that this is not a good move or that you feeling something about it that is not good. Do we sometimes sabotage ourselves through procrastination? Absolutely. But when that starts happening, what I want to do is I want to dip into your office and sit down next to you and ask you why. How? How is this serving you? And where is this feeling you're at right now, that icky, nasty, I'm procrastinating, I don't want to do that feeling? Where does that show up in your life before now? Where is it familiar? Because if we dive down and dig deep enough and follow that rope or that thread back to that beginning, then what we do is we find out where that particular thing got born. And then we can take a look at it and say, do you want to keep this? Is this something you need to pay attention to and it's important to you and you want to integrate that experience? Or is it something you want to dismantle and break down and remove from your life? Does it even belong to you? And we're going to get into that in step two. But before we go there, I got so excited about this episode today and it was totally coincidental. I didn't pick up this book because of this episode, even though we had planned out our big three around it. I got it because a friend of mine mentioned it on one of our, I belong to a lean-in circle and she mentioned it in our lean-in circle. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, everybody seems to know what this book is and I don't know what this book is, so I'm going to get it. And it's actually free to read if you have Kindle Unlimited and it's called The Big Leap and it's by a gentleman named Gay Hendricks. And the subtitle to this is Conquer Your Hidden Fear and Take Your Life to the Next Level. And when I looked at the cover and I looked at it, I'm like, okay, this is another one of those kind of like crazy self-help books. And in a way, it is. It's, but it's a very useful <laughs> self-help book because it pointed out something to me that I think I've run into my own life and I see start coming up to start play in my clients' lives as well. And that is Gay Hendricks has this theory that we all have an upper limit. Like we have an upper limit to where we can feel comfortable with good things, where we feel comfortable with our success, where we feel comfortable with the amount of money that we're making, where we feel comfortable with our abilities and our competence. And all of us are capable of more. So we're all capable of making more money. We're all capable of being more competent. We're all capable of being more successful or playing even bigger but we have a set upper limit. So it's no secret, I'm a chunky girl. And one of the things that I've learned about obesity is that your brain, your body gets a set weight point. This is kind of the cutting edge part of obesity understanding in our world today. Your body and your brain understands and creates a set weight point, and it does everything possible in order to keep you at that set weight point. So even if you reduce your calories, you have to reduce them so dramatically, or you have to ramp your exercise up, that old notion of calories in and calories out thing, 
for a lot of people in this world, that doesn't work because you've got this physiological set point of the weight that your body thinks it should be. It's the same thing, but on the other side of the equation, on the mental emotional side of it, we have this set point or this upper limit that we are comfortable with. And the pushing past it is the secret, right? Because when we get close to the upper limit, what we do is we reach for one of the things on this particular list that Kara rattled off here. Of all of these things, especially the perfectionism, I'm not going to be good enough at it. I can't do that because I'm not going to be good enough at it. Or the inventing obstacles about, well, I just don't have time for that, or I don't have money for that, or that would never work to begin with, or the imposter syndrome of, I just don't feel comfortable or like I belong here. We start to create those things because we're approaching our upper limit. So I think the wisdom in Mr. Hendricks' book And the wisdom that I'm getting in this kind of like personal research I'm doing around people getting in their own way is that all of these things on this list, all of the self-sabotage things we do, the procrastination, the inability to delegate things, that old, and this has always floored me because it's been said to me more than once in my own life, of you're afraid of success. And I'm thinking, how in the hell can I be afraid of success? I mean, really? (laughs) That's the thing we're all after, right? How the hell can we be afraid of it? But I think what it is, is it's a warning signal inside of you. It's the red light flashing on the dashboard to say, warning, 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 you're approaching your upper limit. You're approaching the capacity of what you believe in this moment to be able to accomplish. And here's the thing, we've all got to figure out how to get over that or to bump our upper limit up. And what Mr. Hendricks recommends, and I highly recommend you get the book. It was a quick read for me. I'm going to tell you I didn't dwell on every word. But what he suggests in the book is that you start pushing past it a little bit at a time. Like it's really, really hard. And and back to that eat the frog thing. Sometimes it's really hard to eat the frog because it's big and it's ugly and it's stinky and it's sticky. And it, you know it's going to make you a little bit nauseous to do it. Yeah. But if you sample the frog, <laughs> start to build up your tolerance to it then possibly you can get past it a whole lot easier. I have just made Kara's like giggle. <laughs> I see I see you giggling over me and that metaphor of eating the frog. I'm just thinking about doing my taxes. <laughs> yeah, you elasticity wise, you have to start stretching yourself outside of what your set upper limit is. And just like a person who is overweight has to figure out how to change that set point in their body and their physiology, which there's now drugs to do, there's hypnosis, there's a lot of tools that you can grab onto to help with that. There's a similar set of tools, maybe not drugs, but there's some similar tools over on the emotional mental side of things that can help you expand that upper limit and help you start pushing it so that your set point is higher and higher and higher. Because as you start to increase that set point, as that upper limit expands, these things of self-sabotage become less impactful because you can figure out how to get around them. So what are your thoughts about that? Because you haven't heard anything about me and the Big Leap book. (laughs) 
No, I love it. And I actually went ahead and just ordered the book. It's on Amazon for like 12 bucks. So I went ahead and ordered it so I could go through it as well. Any tips in my brain to like just help stop sabotaging in my business, you know, because I'm definitely a participator of that. Like you said, I'm in recovery. It's a constant battle. I don't think there's a business owner out there that doesn't in some way participate in self-sabotage from time to time. So I, yeah, I went ahead and ordered the book. I wanted to check it out. And I think that you moved us beautifully into our big three, number two, which is get to know the voices in your head. And I know you can speak so beautifully to that. One of the things that I think about when I think about this topic is I am in my head a lot and I spend a lot of time and I've, well, I guess I should say I've spent time recently really thinking about the patterns of my thoughts because they become so consistent. And it's almost like an annual event will come up that I know I'm going to do every year. It's something that is part of my business and I know it's coming. And it's almost like the clock starts ticking for that event and the old pattern of fear, the old pattern of just thoughts and all of that, it's almost like it's so ingrained now that those patterns of those thoughts, I recognize it now when they're showing up. And that's been an interesting transition for me to start looking at the way that the thoughts in my head are sabotaging what I want to do because the pattern is there. And I know you're going to talk more about that, but I don't know. I think that's the biggest thing for me was recognizing those patterns and then saying, you know, reminding myself, you do this every single time this event comes up this pattern pops into your head. (laughs) And where is that coming (laughs) from? Right. So (laughs) anyway, I'll let you go on with that. But that is, I know that's one of the first things that we have on this list here. Absolutely. And I think that for me, this kind of splits into two directions. And I'll go down one direction first, because we don't have to go very far with it. And then the other direction, we can dive a little deeper. But the first direction you have to understand is a lot of times the sabotage that we are experiencing that we label as quote unquote self-sabotage is Mm -hmm. actually things that we have picked up from our past in some capacity. It could be from our childhood from our parents, from how we were raised, from our experiences in school. It could be from a little further down in our life where we've experienced a trauma or a lightning strike or something like that, or where we've had a particular person in our life that was authority or very impactful for us that has maybe said some of the things that maybe were just little niggling thoughts in the back of our head, but now they gave voice to them. And now that little niggling thought now carries the voice of that person. And you know it's not true, and you know it's not really you, and you know it's not in alignment, but that voice in your head comes on so strong, or the voice on your shoulder. I often think about it as a voice on your shoulder, because sometimes it doesn't, mm-hmm. it, you can identify it as not yours. So one of the things I encourage people to do is to start figuring out, does that voice really belong to you? Is it part of you? Or is it part of somebody else? Is it another person who has repeatedly either demonstrated and modeled that for you or actually flat out said it to you on enough occasions or in a situation where it was one time, but that person was in a place of authority or in a place of your total belief that 
that was the way it is. So when some of those voices in your head come up and tell you you can't do it or you're not going to be good enough or that you need to stop this right now or you need to go do something else or any of those things, let's start questioning them. Like, who are you? Are you really part of me? Whose voice is, whose voice is this? Now, if the answer is yes to that question, this is where we dive a little deeper because if it belongs to somebody else, we need to eliminate that. And we're going to kind of talk about it a little bit in number three when we get to getting some help with that. But if it does belong to you, we all have a group of parts. And and I don't think there's any person I've ever met that hasn't been able to say a part of me this or a part of me that or a part of me. The thing is, is we probably have way more parts than we're actually aware of, unless you've dove into some work, either parts work or you've done mandala work or kaleidoscope work. People call it by a lot of different names. I happen to learn a lot about this from my mentor, Melissa Pierce, but I've also read a lot about it and learned a lot about it from other people as well. And there's a lot of literature in a lot of places that you can go out and explore this. But the thought is, is that I always liken it to driving a bus. You have all of these parts of you and they're on this bus and the bus is you, right? That's a metaphor for who you are. And the part of you that steps up there and drives the bus and they trade off drivers, right? And then there's also all of the backseat drivers. There's the people who get on board with that person and are saying, turn left here or you go there or yeah, you should go faster or no, you need to slow down or no, we need to stop this bus because we all want off. So there's those little parts of you that get behind the bus driver and, and either egg it on or try to slow it down. So realizing who is stepping up and driving the bus when you're confronting these self-sabotage situations is really helpful in starting to break them down because that gives us a clue as to what's coming up. Because chances are we have another part that is also on that bus that could accomplish this, right? That doesn't feel like an imposter in that situation. That doesn't feel that everything has to be absolutely perfect, that doesn't invent obstacles. But this little crew has like tied them up and muzzled them in the far back seat of the bus. And now they can't get up there to help us. So boy, this episode is full of some rich metaphors, isn't it? <laughs> so um, I, I'm, I'm like doing myself proud on the metaphors today. So what you have to do is figure out who is driving the bus in that situation. Who is doing this? And what part does that particular part play? And is there a way to negotiate with that part of yourself so that you can ease them into a middle seat in the bus <laughs> rather than being the person driving it and maybe take that part of you who is capable of doing this and let them have the steering wheel in this situation. So it's a fun adventure to take to get to know the parts of yourself, to understand how they show up in your world. And it's a very interesting exploration of who you are and how you treat yourself and, and how all of those different parts, they really integrate themselves fairly well into your whole beingness. And sometimes you're not even aware of who is up there with the steering wheel and making all of the decisions. <laughs> 
Did, did you follow my metaphor there, Kara? <laughs> I love everything you said about that. I followed your metaphor. It makes complete sense. And I think one of the things that happens here, too, is this is where you start really beating yourself up and you compound the issue. So you're already having all of this stuff happen, but then you start the guilt comes in. And you start just yeah. really beating yourself up because you're failing in your business. You're failing once again at something you really wanted to do. And so that's kind of how this snowballs and becomes so much worse as far as I'm concerned. So one of the things that I have here, I, mean, I know we're going to move into when it's time to seek help, but sometimes for me, refocusing on how I'm caring for myself in that moment can be really big. So when it starts to feel like that I'm really beating myself up about how I'm self-sabotaging in my business. A lot of times, something as simple as getting up, getting outside, getting on a walk to clear my head and really be thinking about some of this while I'm walking can really kind of recenter me and pull me back. You know, starting to do some of that self-care stuff, taking care of yourself, taking a break, you know, not to further put off what you need to do, but sometimes making sure you're getting good sleep, that you're spending time having fun and playing and doing things that bring you joy and spending a little less time beating yourself up about what you're not getting done in your business. It doesn't mean that you can't refocus and you can't come back to that. But for me personally, when I start to feel like I've just, I'm really messing up and I, then I start beating myself up about that situation, sometimes instead of doubling down and throwing myself into that mess when everything is so jumbled and I'm feeling so bad about myself, I need to instead put it down and step away and recenter. And I think that moves us into the next piece is like when that's not possible and when that's not working for you, I think you have to understand when it might need to bring in some help, which is the third of our big three. Know when it's time to seek help. What do you think about that? I think it's important. So just to go back to your like refocusing yourself, to go back to my mm -hmm. bus metaphor, what you're doing is you're retiring who's driving the bus and telling him to go sit down. And you're picking mm -hmm. up a part of you you know is solid and putting them behind the wheel and saying, okay, let's refocus it. This path that we're going down, this road we're on, it's full of chug holes and it's just not good. And we're going to pick somebody who knows who knows a familiar path and get us back on some mm -hmm. smooth ground and then we'll come back and revisit it. So I think that's a really healthy way to approach it. I do think the constant beating up of yourself is something that depending upon how much of your own personal like work you've done on yourself, how aware you are. I think plays a big role into how impactful that is in your life. I can tell you, if you feel like you're beating yourself up or you feel a lot of guilt or shame, which is another common emotion that we have that is just a horrible, icky, nasty, terrible feeling emotion. I think anytime you find yourself kind of swimming around in those waters, it is definitely time to reach out for help. And there's a lot of opportunities for you to start helping yourself. A therapist is one and therapists come in many different flavors. So there's a lot of different therapies out there. So don't feel like you have to go sink yourself into the first one that you find. 
if you've been doing talk therapy for years and it's not working for you, or you've been to talk therapy and it just isn't seeming to, you know, make the problem better, then go find something different. Go find an alternative. And there are so many beautiful alternative integrative therapies out there that help you with all of these things. And if nothing else, they help you get whoever's driving that bus to go sit down somewhere else so somebody else can take over the steering wheel for a little bit. You can work with a gestaltist. Those are my sisters and brothers out in the world that work with people through gestalt. There are also coaching programs and mindset programs and mindfulness programs and hypnotists. There's a ton of ways for you to get out there and explore this in a very enlightening way so that you can derail things when they're starting to come into self-sabotage. You can get some action plans put together to help yourself find ways out of this. One of my good mentors that I also have says that 75% of the thoughts that human beings have are negative. And I hate that that's probably very true for all of us. But when you get stuck in that negative mindset and the self-sabotage mindset, it can feel like 100% of them are negative. And even if it's pushing over that 75%, it's time to go ahead and seek somebody that can help you reframe things and move yourself back into a positive frame of mind. Absolutely. You deserve to feel good about the work that you're doing, even if it doesn't move as fast as you want it to. And even if you are participating in some of these self-sabotage practices, I guess we could call them, like we all deserve to feel good about the work that we're doing. That is really sad to think that we do potentially the 75 to 100% of the thoughts running through our head are negative. That's no way that any of us should have to live. So I love that. And we all deserve to feel good about the work that we're doing. And one way is to get help if you need it. So I hope folks that are listening, that even though this this episode, maybe it brought some thoughts, or maybe they were identifying ways that maybe they were self-sabotaging in their business. I hope it gives them a little hope that like, you know, yeah, everyone does this. This is something that we all experience. We're not alone in that. And the key is this second piece here is like really thinking about that and being an active part of not just letting it happen, an active part of thinking about these thoughts and these patterns and where that's coming from and what we can do to move ourselves on down the road. So Kim, I feel like I had a little bit of a personal therapy session today with all your metaphors. I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> Well, and I just want to tell people, just kind of end this a little bit on a positive note too. Well, not a little bit, but to end it on a positive note. I experienced everything on this list, especially at the first part of my business. Not only that, not yeah. only did I experience it, I had family members pointing it out to me quite gleefully at times. Yeah, so helpful. Even though it hurt me tremendously. Yeah. And I feel comfortable saying that because they're all gone off the planet. And anyway, we'll get past that. But the thing was, <laughs> is that I sabotaged myself so badly for so many years. But here's the thing. I learned my lessons well. When I started to untangle it, it started to make so much sense to me. 
And I was able, I did get the help. I did seek help. I found help. I embraced that help when I found the help that was the right help. And the truth was, is that I had all of the stuff inside me all of the time to be able to solve every one of these problems, to be able to conquer them and to be able to move past them. And I have found myself a new level of hitting my upper limit problem. But here's the thing. I also now have the confidence that I built from working it a little further up to know that I'm going to be able to move that upper limit up, that I'm going to be able to work through any of these things that come up in my life and I don't feel defeated around them. I don't allow that any longer because there's no reason to feel defeated because I know if I'm present and if I am looking for the answer, the answer will present itself. So I think this is a, maybe it's a wake up call if some of the things resonated with you, dear listener out there. If some of this stuff resonated with you, it's a wake-up call for you to start on that journey for yourself. And believe me, it is an enlightening journey. And on the other end of it is a lot better feeling, a lot more happiness, a lot more joy, and a lot less negative thinking. So come on over here. It's a really pleasant place to be. Beautifully said, Kim. Thank you for that. For those of you that are listening today, if you're a photographer, please join us over on our other podcast, Cowgirls with Cameras, where we hang out with our friend Phyllis Burchette, a Phyllis Burchette photo, and chat all things photography in the Western photography genre. We'd love for you guys to join us over there. And big thank you again to everybody who takes the time to rate and review the show. That means the world to us. We actually do get to go in and we see those things and it just it's just amazing for us. And we really appreciate you guys listening today. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal. <laughs>